Hey, it's me, Jade. I want to say to everybody who started school last week like me, started school this week, or started school next week, congratulations. I hope you're having a great time. And, you know, just remember to give yourself grace because this, this is a pretty peculiar time we're living in. And sometimes school's not always at, like, the front of your mind. And you just, it's really hard to get motivation. But just remember, it's a weird time. You're not lazy. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. Like, you're just living through a pretty odd time. So give yourself grace with all of that. All right. Oh, also, ta-da! This is the fifth episode, which means we're halfway through the series with Woot. Time has gone so fast. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy all the episodes to come, because we are now at the midway point. All right. Episode five on the way is coming right at you. And remember, this is a WGC production. Chelsea Green is a third-year BFA Theater Arts Administration major with a TV and film focus from Atlanta, Georgia. She is grateful to have stage-managed numerous productions. Chelsea worked as a production assistant for Sundance Institute and went on to become a scriptreader for the Sundance Institute's Theater Lab, a production associate for WHU-TV, and she is the creative and executive producer of Political Culture, a web series centered on current events. Most recently, she has had the opportunity to be a part of HBCU NLA's Summer 2020 cohort, as well as the Endeavor Impact Summer Series. This coming semester, Chelsea will work as an intern for NBC Late Nights with Seth Meyers. Hey, Chelsea, how are you? Hello, Jade. I'm good. How are you? I am doing pretty lovely today, so let's just get right into it. Alrighty. In your bio, it says you're from Atlanta, Georgia, but you do go to school in D.C., so I want to ask, what do you consider home, and where are your roots? Oh, that is such a really poignant question right off the bat. I, at this point in my life, I think I consider myself from the South because I've been in Atlanta for about eight years now. So I think I'm pretty much from Atlanta at this point. This is home. Home is where your mom is, and my mom's in Atlanta. So that's, that's home. How do you think that's the Southern aesthetic has affected your own personal aesthetic and the things you choose to focus on? I don't know that it, it has influenced my aesthetic so much as it has influenced the stories that I want to tell. It's actually a really interesting question because when I think about like, what my style is. I don't really think about it in the context of geography. That's something I need to like actually go back through and kind of parse out. But I know that it's definitely an influence the stories that I want to tell and my voice. There's just something about growing up in the South, like fight or flight. You either move to the North or you stick it out in the South. And when you stick it out in the South, like that comes with a voice and a story. And I think that's the style that I, that's been influenced. And what stories are you interested in telling? specifically like female-centric stories like I have three sisters and I always think of my life in the context of growing up in a house with a mom and three sisters and two aunts like surrounded by women and those are the stories that have influenced my life those are the people that are in my life and those are the stories that I know and then also just empowering black voices of all types just giving that platform and I think that's kind of what I wanted to do with political culture, but also I think that that's going to be a through line between all the projects that I take on, truth and honesty to Black voices. And has it always been this way, or is this something that developed over time? Oh, no, it's always been this way, (laughs) which my English teachers from years past can attest to an annoyance at that. As a matter of fact, one of my English teachers literally told me in high school, why does everything have to be so black with you? What, what would you be if everything wasn't so black for you? And I think that's just like a testament to the fact that I've always known what I wanted to talk about and 
what I wanted to talk about has always centered around my race and how that's informed my life and being a woman in this world and growing up with women in this world. All right. I completely understand that. I mean, you can't really separate yourself from the work. Really. Exactly. It, yeah. So since you brought it up, can you tell us more about political culture? Political culture is a web series that I created, and it's basically current events from a young Black perspective. And the idea came about being on Howard's campus in Washington, D.C., and realizing that we're less than five minutes from the Capitol building, and all of these historical and monumental changes are happening in the city that we live in, but our voices are not a part of that conversation. So really wanting to elevate Black voices into the political sphere and creating a platform to share and receive information that affects us. And specifically for our generation as well, because I felt like there was a disconnect between the news that we saw in our generation. So I wanted to give something for Gen Z to have as their own. Oh, and for complete transparency, I'm a writer on the show. But yes, so- <laughs> and we love Jade. She's a fabulous writer on political culture, writing our monologues, and they're fabulous. Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, as a writer, I was brought in a little early, but I want you to go sort of walk us through the process from conception of the show to the actual production of the show to the post production and the release of the show. So, walk us through what it was like from day one to now. Oh, no. How much time do we have? as much as you need let's go okay I'm gonna try to be concise which is not something I'm good at so basically the idea has always kind of been with me just maybe not in the way that it manifested because I did a similar project to this it was like my senior thesis project in high school and my question was do teenagers care about politics and through like a series of street interviews and polls I kind of came to the consensus that we did but in our own generational way, which was through social media and activism. So this kind of gap between, quote, youth and current events has always been like an idea for me. And then when I got to Howard, I think it kind of found its resting place, which was one, which was Howard, but also Black voices being elevated in this space. So the two came together, which was the initial idea of of speaking about current events with teens and Gen Z, and then Elevating Black Voices came together. And this was freshman year. Then I met Dell. Dell is a alum of Howard University and he has a, pr- a production company. And he asked me what any of my ideas were. And he was like, I'd really love to work with you on any of your projects. And that's when I presented political culture to him. And this was April, 2019, when we had our first conversation. He was like kind of loosely asking me what my ideas were. And I was kind of speaking off the cuff, like, oh, well, this is kind of an idea. And he was like, no, that's it. That's the idea. This is what we're doing. And it was really because of his decisiveness in that moment that I was like, okay, this is something and I should put my energy into it. And this is something that's worthwhile and possible. So that was the very fruits of it. And from that point forward, I just buckled down on it and That's when I started bringing in writers. I brought in writers that summer and we started writing the monologues. Well, first I wrote the treatment for it, which was like the complete breakdown of what the show was going to be. And then that summer I brought in writers and we started writing our our opening segments and figuring out what the topics were going to be and how we were going to tackle them in this comedic way. Then we started casting, which was an amazing experience because I think casting is the moment where 
it no longer becomes an idea because people are getting involved. It's like, oh, this is like a thing now. There's humans here. So we started casting. I casted the show in the fall of 2019. And then I was preparing to film it coming the winter of 2020. So winter of 2020 came and that's when everything really just came together. When we paid for the location, we got all of our equipment together. And that's when we filmed the main conversation or the main segment of the show, bringing in all the panelists to discuss these topics. And then ever since then, we've been kind of filming the street interviews as the episodes come up. And we filmed those on location in D.C. Well, not anymore because of COVID, but we were. And just filming those closer to when the episodes come out. So it's a continual process. It it never stops. We never stop filming, essentially. I mean, besides, like I said, because of COVID. But it's ever evolving and ever changing. And we continue to, to add to it. See, that was very long-winded. I told you I couldn't be concise. No, but it was it was seamless. It really gave us the layout. It told us everything we need to know. It was useful. <laughs> you use your time. Sometimes things just take some time to explain. Thank you, Jay, for appeasing me. You're welcome, Chelsea. So you've mentioned that it's a long process. It's an extending process. You came up with a seed of the idea in your senior year of high school, and now you're a rising junior in college. So... How do you keep your energy and momentum going for such a long and extended process? How do you keep going? Wow, you're so deep. Like these questions are really, they're really (laughs) (laughs) That's um, a really good question because I feel like, to be honest, the spring semester of 2020, I was running on E and we had just filmed the show about every other weekend we were filming street interviews and almost on the daily we were posting on social media. So the wheels were constantly turning in addition to being a full-time theater student, in addition to working at WHUT in my free time. So I definitely got to the point where I I didn't have the energy to do it anymore. I physically could not possibly keep up with this thing as a full-time student doing everything else. Crazily enough, like the the point in which I'd kind of broken or had come to the end of myself was the exact same time that the coronavirus pandemic kind of kicked off in the United States. And that was the same time that we ended up getting sent home and we had to leave campus. So it was like the world came to a natural stop and thus my show did. So to answer your question, which I haven't yet, I've yet to answer it, was that I don't actually know how to sustain that energy because I was not doing a very good job. I either operate full speed or, or not at all. So when I figure out how to do in between that, I'll, I'll let you know and maybe we can do it apart. <laughs> so you're running on fumes, but now that you have COVID to sort of recuperate mentally, what are your plans for political culture once all of this inevitably ends? I'm in the, you know, limbo about that right now because we have four episodes still on the shelf, completely filmed, ready to release, and that seem like seemingly irrelevant in the age of COVID. Going forward, I think what we'll do is have some sort of live stream and or virtual show in which we can talk about what's going on in the world, everything from George Floyd to coronavirus, and really do a remote show because I think that's the the way the world is working right now. 
and then get back to the, the consistency of the series. But going forward in the future, I want political culture to expand beyond just episodes, but into blogs and a full social media presence and a website and really just like an all-encompassing place for current events and young people to come together. That's very interesting. Okay, so I know personally as a producer, I have one project going, but I also have a bunch of other projects in my mind. Exactly. And I'm working on those mentally. Yeah, yeah, you know. So what other projects are you playing with in your head? I'm always kind of thinking, like you said, about ideas, or it could just be like jotting down a few character notes for something I'm, you know, want to create or whatever. Right now, I did a short film this past semester that's never going to see the light of day. So that was one of the projects. <laughs> that was one of the projects that I did. And then right now I'm kind of in the early stages of writing a scripted series, but always constantly thinking of ideas. I know I, I want to produce another short film this year. I don't know if the world's going to come back together for that to happen, but I'm very excited and want to produce a romance short film sometime this year, if not in the coming year. Might I ask why that first short film will, quote, never (laughs) see the light of day, end quote? I don't know if I should have said that because I don't want to put them on blast. I love the people I worked with. Basically, after we had to leave campus abruptly, the footage was kind of lost in translation. So, Uh. yeah. It was really good, though. It was really good. Lessons learned. Always make backups to your backups. Always. Yeah. Always. So you said you're writing or you're working on a scripted series. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, no. It's too early. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, it's... I don't, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to get done while I'm in college. Okay. It's a future, future, future endeavor. And how do you... Do you plan for projects in these uncertain times when everything is in flux and you have to, as a producer, keep things organized? What are you doing to stay organized and future focused in a time like this? I think that's been the constant learning curve of this all. One, the industry's ever changing. Like the Tonight Show, which has been remote for weeks, is now back in studio. So it's like we're constantly changing and constantly updating. For me, I've had the opportunity to work on it, being a social media manager for a few projects over the summer. And that has helped me kind of relearn how to do work. You know, I'm doing a project that's in D.C., but I'm in Atlanta. And it's helping me relearn how I approach a project when everybody's remote and everybody's Zooming in for our meetings or, you know, having a conference call. I think that's the thing I'm still learning right now is how you continue to to work on these projects when everyone's across the country, but the the work still has to get done. Yeah, that wasn't a great answer or great advice. The the answer is there is no answer and (laughs) we are all learning. Oh, okay. So you're, you're doing scripted content. You're doing nonfiction, documentary style, sort of satirical content. Is there a lane that you're leaning to more are you leaning to... No, 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 that's my question. Is there a lane you're leaning to more when it comes to type of content you're no, making? No, I'm very stingy. I want it all. I love it all. I want to work in it all, and I and I can't decide between the two. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to do a gentle pivot. So, 
Chelsea, you were a PA for the Sundance Institute in 2019. Can you tell us more about that experience? Yes. So I was a PA for Sundance Theater Lab, which is a program that brings playwrights and artists together to Utah to sort of work in a very like no pressure environment. So you're in nature, you're in the mountains. And my job as a PA was to obviously assist production, but also to sit in on those writers' rooms and offer myself to the creative process, whether that be literally offering my thoughts or my experiences to the conversation or supporting by bringing some tissues and tea, you know? So it kind of ranged in that way. It's a very beautiful program that allows theater makers to work with no pressure, but with all the resources. Okay. And so I'm going to ask you to think of the time before you do that program and now the time after. How has that program sort of shifted how you come at production and being a producer? I think it sharpened me so much. Right after leaving Sundance, literally like two or three weeks later, I came back to Howard and I started stage managing a show. And the skills I learned from the stage managers there, I think, are invaluable and indescribable just being able to like jump into a project and completely hold it down for the cast and crew. And just watching them, like I said, it was a learning experience, but also I feel like I, I gained so much just by being around them and as far as my stage management abilities. Do you want to continue stage managing in the future? I love stage managing. I don't know that I want to do it as a career, but there's such a crossover between stage management and producing that I feel like it's always a part of what I'm doing, even if it's not literally my job description. So as a producer, one of the things you do is compile a team so that they can execute the project with you. So how do you go about compiling that team? I think I always work with the same people. <laughs> well. You, you meet people and you just know if they're the people who you want to work with or not. That sounds bad, but it's not. And here's why. Like <laughs> you, for example. <laughs> Jade, you're a person who says yes. You're a person who wants to experience things and jumps into projects and is consistent and works hard in whatever you do. And when I met you, I sensed that synergy. And thus, when I needed a writer and wanted a creative voice, you were one of the first people I wanted to come to. And I think there's just something, I guess synergy is the word. This sounds really hippie. Anywho, <laughs> there's just like a synergy that you have with people when you know that they're, they're the rider dies. They're going to be there through the late nights and the early mornings and everything in between. And when you meet them, you want to keep working with them. And vice versa, when I meet someone who doesn't share that strive, I probably won't ask you to work on another project. Yes, it's easy, especially since you go to Howard and you're the theater program and you're around all these creative people with drive. It's easy to find those people now, but how do you continue to grow your network outside of an environment like Howard, outside of a concentrated creative environment? How do you find those people? That's something I'm continuing to think about and kind of grow in. I definitely like stay in contact with people that I've interned with or worked on projects before. So kind of like expanding a national, if not global database of collaborators. But my hope, really, which is very naive, is that I'll always be with my Howard people 
and thus we can always work together. Like when you find your crew and when you find the people you want to work with, you don't want to stop working with them. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So just a general question about your philosophy as a producer and as an artist. What exactly is your philosophy for what your art should be doing in the physical world? Wow, philosophical. I think art and media, they're the most powerful things we have in this world. They shape our subconscious. They shape what we see. They shape what we feel, think, believe. So I always want to be true to my experience as a Black person and as a woman and make sure that that honesty can resonate with somebody else. I think that's my responsibility. And also not to shy away from the hardships or the pain because I don't know I just feel like it's too powerful to just be funny or too powerful to just be cute or feel good it has to serve a purpose no matter what it is it has to serve a purpose Mm. and how do you know if that purpose has been executed I don't think you know until it comes out I think you know if, if you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's and what your purpose was or what your vision was, but I don't think you actually know until it resonates with the people. Question. So before you put out something, do you get nervous about it? Before you introduce it to the people, as you said? I don't think so. My thing is, if I've put everything into it, then in a selfish way, I feel like it served my purpose whether that was like catharsis or needing to voice my peace or, or whatever that is. And there's peace that happens when you've given everything you can to a project and it's done. So I don't think I get nervous. No. And when you work with other people, which of course your job is contingent upon, how do you reconcile artistic differences with the work? How do you merge your ideas to create a work that is both yours and the people you're working with? I'm trying to think about this because you're someone I've actually collaborated with. So I could be like, um, (laughs) quote, self-aware in this and tell you, but like you've actually worked with me. (laughs) I don't actually know how collaborative I am. I think that's a question for you, Jade. I think you're pretty collaborative, Chelsea. I'm, I remember our writing sessions. I remember that Google Doc with all the different color <laughs> typing. You're pretty collaborative. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't, I've had the, the good fortune of working with people who I didn't stray too far from artistically, but that's also because I'm a student. So I'm largely deciding who I'm working with. There's not a network telling me who I have to collaborate with yet. So... In that regard, I don't think there was any or too many artistic hiccups between any of the projects I worked on. And if there was, I respected the people enough that I I respect their opinion enough. So if I respect you, I'm going to kind of swallow my pride or my my instincts to try and be collaborative. I think, I hope, but once again, (laughs) you are. Who am I to say? You do. Do you produce other people's projects? I do. I actually really love doing that. The short film I did this semester was completely written and directed by someone else. 
So, yeah. Well, tell me then what that's like in comparison to having an idea that you created and producing that. I think I'm able to be more logical because it's not my heart or my baby, if that makes sense. I can come in purely strategically and purely um, logistically and say this is what needs to get done and this is when it needs to get done by and this is how much it's going to cost and this is who's who we need to work on it versus like you know the second guessing of it being your idea and wondering if this works and how is this going to work it's like I think I come in more together and just like on point do you enjoy it more I think I enjoy them in different ways Because there's something really fulfilling about bringing somebody else's vision to life and knowing that, like, not that, like, if I wasn't there, this wouldn't happen, like, someone else would have done it, but that I helped bring this together. There's something really fulfilling about working with someone to bring their vision to life, just like there's something really fulfilling about bringing your own vision to life. Now, I kind of want to touch on a sentiment you said a few moments back. You talked about how you have the freedom to work within your own network. So do you want to stay independent or do you want to go more mainstream where someone would be dictating more of the collaboration aspects and things like that? I honestly don't know yet. There's pros and cons both ways. I think in the future future, I will have my own production company and that will kind of dictate you know, what projects I take on. But I also know that even when you're on that level, like you need distributors and you need other production partners and things like that. So you're always going to be collaborating with people who aren't in your immediate network. So I think it's going to be a collaboration of both, I think. Question. Since this is for, this is for the political culture specifically. Since you do work on a show that is specifically meant to be consumed by younger generations online in a very specific way, does that at all affect how you came at the production of it rather than a short film, which can be submitted to festivals and things like that? I think it affected the tone we were trying to accomplish and sort of the, the tone we wanted the show to have altogether. I don't know that it affected the literal production or like, We weren't filming like, you know, this is going to be streamed on a smartphone, so let's make sure it's filmed this way. We were just, you know, filming, if that makes sense. But I think there was a tone we were trying to accomplish and a voice that we wanted to have, whether that be the social media or the street interviews or whatever segment of the show that was targeted and curated towards a specific audience. So... You're a theater arts administration major. You stage manage theatrical shows. You are a PA for the theater lab at the Sundance Institute. Is theater something you want to pursue professionally as well? Absolutely. Um, I don't ever want to not be in theater. That wasn't correct grammar. But uh, <laughs> I love theater, film, and television equally. Deciding one over the other is like, you know, I can't do it. So, yeah, I always want to be in theater. I want to produce theater just like I want to produce films and television. I want to be in New York. I want to be where the theater is, where the where the theater people are. These are these are my people. And do when you work on the different mediums, do you bring elements of the other mediums into your work? I probably do. I'm not self-aware enough to tell you what those things are. Uh, (laughs) but I definitely 
the energy and work ethic of theater I definitely bring to film and there's something about knowing that your deadline is live that really tightens the ship it really gets people together to execute and I think not to paint with a broad brush but sometimes I think or at least in my very limited experience I think sometimes in film because it's not being in front of a live audience or it's not immediate the stakes might not always seem that high and I think that sort of theater energy of like the curtains going up at 8 p.m regardless if you're here or not that sort of tightness I think I bring to my work Hmm. that's quite interesting so just a question about producing so how do you determine if a project is something that you'd want to produce how do you know if it's gold to you? I, I'm still at the point in my career where I say yes to everything <laughs> because I'm young and experience is experience. I mean, not yes to everything, but you know. So I'm not really at a place to distinguish yet. I see. Well, that makes perfect sense. You don't want to cut yourself off from any opportunity. Not yet. One day. So what is the most interesting or significant piece of knowledge that you've picked up from as you said, you experience as a producer. Interesting. One thing I learned, which, you know, this is very specific and may not be the the route in which you're going for, but people are not the same people at a casting call or at an audition that they are when you put a camera in front of them. People immediately change when you put a camera in front of them. So the key is to find the people who are either consistent or to always just audition with a camera. There's just an immediate change. So, yeah. Okay. So you're a writer as well? You're a writer as well? Yes, ma'am. All right. Talk to me more about that. How does your writing influence your producing and vice versa? And how do you sharpen your writing? I feel I feel like writing with in a collaborative space is the best way to like sharpen your writing. I feel like I became a better writer just writing with you and Dax for the short time that we were writing our monologues. And you really get to learn quickly like what works and what doesn't work when people are collaborating with you in real time. And my professors always say that if you want to be a producer, you want to be a writer because there's no separation of the two. So I think they're kind of one and the same. And if you're approaching a project in a writing sense, you also have to know what it takes to get this done. And if you're in a, focusing on a project in a producing sense, you have to know what went into the writing and vice versa. And are you doing more writing in these quarantine times? I've been like dabbling more in, in a more artistic and less restrictive way and just kind of exploring more. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. So how do you allow yourself the freedom to explore and the freedom to be artistically free with that internal judgment? Right now, I've been kind of doing collaborative sessions of kind of throwing out ideas, just seeing what comes of that, really just brainstorming sessions. And specifically with political culture, we come in with a topic and it has to be a certain amount, a certain length and have a certain tone and all these expectations. With the brainstorming, I'm really just coming in and seeing what works and what happens. And that's sort of the carefreeness of it. And here, I think, 
a very important question for many people. So as a producer, are you also involved with the fundraising of the project? I am. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about that. (laughs) (laughs) So it, it depends on how much money you're going to need. So for some of my projects, I've been producing in a very executive producer, let me give you my money type of way. But also... I'm always fundraising or figuring out new ways to fund a project and going forward, like expanding that to online campaigns and greater resources like that. But in the present, it's been more interpersonal fundraising, working on favors and things like that. And then also, like I said, funding a lot of the stuff myself or with the other collaborators on the project. Well, Chelsea, writing down, we made it to the last question in the interview, so here it is. Here it goes. So you're clearly on your way to success. You're doing all these amazing things. You have opportunities lined up for the fall. You are clearly doing your thing. So how will you know when you've made it? I'm really having to think right now. These are really good questions. Thank you, Jay. You're welcome, Chelsea. I honestly don't know. There's a point in my head in which I've kind of done all the projects that I want to do or had those opportunities. I think that's too far off. I do love every part of the journey. So I love working, you know, at the university level as much as I love working at the professional level and et cetera. So I don't know what making it really means. Like Indie Irie has a song, Life is a Journey not the destination, which, you know, is corny, but I, I truly do love like every part of this. So is it when I make a lot of money? Maybe. Is it when I get all the awards? Possibly. But I, I think, I, I think it's pretty good right now too. So I, I don't know. All right. I think that's a wonderful and pensive note to end on. (laughs) So (laughs) can you tell listeners where they can find you and any of the projects you're currently working on? Yes, please. Anyone who is listening, follow me on Instagram at Chelsea Verde. Follow Political Culture on Instagram at political.culture, Twitter political underscore culture, and YouTube political culture if you want to keep up with the show. Or if you want to keep up with me and see anything else I'm doing. And that was the fifth episode of On Their Way, a WGC production. On Their Way was created, hosted, and edited by me, Jade Madison Scott. The theme was composed by Bajo Alvarado, and the logo was created by Michael Corey. Please leave us a review on iTunes, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WithGoodCo, or tell your friends to tune in next time. Word of mouth is really how these sorts of things spread. If you really like this episode, please consider buying our merchandise at our website, wgcproductions.com. That's how we keep everything up and running. You can also find our episode show notes and transcripts at wgcproductions.com. So if you're a producer like Chelsea, those show notes will really come in handy because you, we like to, you know, squeeze in a little extra something, something at the end. So you can also be on your way just like her. Alrighty, alright, that is the episode, and I'll talk to you guys same time next week, and until then, remember, take care of yourselves.